My name is Dominique Drew, and this is The Art of Attraction, the premier podcast to elevate your relationships, your life, and yourself. I'm your host, Dominique Drew, an intuitive, a spiritual guide, and a seasoned expert in men's relationship coaching. I've used the methods in this podcast to completely transform my own life and relationships, and now, high performers in every industry hire me to help them do the same. Here, you will learn how to solve the issues in your inner world which keep you from real fulfillment, deep intimacy, freedom, and authenticity. Welcome to the next stage of your evolution. Hello, everyone out there, and welcome to The Art of Attraction with Domini Drew. So glad to be back with you this week. I hope everyone's had a fantastic last few days, is enjoying the last few days of summer. Sorry to move some things around here, making some squeaky noises at you. I'm coming to you live on uh, Demon Seed Radio Network and also on Facebook Live via my Facebook business page, which is Domini Drew Coaching, Consulting, and Speaking. I am your host of The Art of Attraction, Domini Drew. Thank you so much for joining me today. I specialize, so, so my, my story is, my, my, my job is that I help single men attract life partners through personal and relationship coaching. And this, uh, this particular podcast and, um, you know, the, all the posts that I do on Facebook and, you know, I, I run a program called The Art of Attraction. It's all geared toward helping guys see how it is that they really hold themselves back from what they want. And so, um, you know, on this show, I really try and, and take, you know, uh, different perspectives to really show you, you know, how it is these, these really subtle levels on which we, um, we really tend to, to hold ourselves back. And often we don't even know that we're doing it. And that's a really, really frustrating thing. You might be able to sympathize with this. Uh, I know I certainly can. I was a terrible, terrible self-sabotager, self-saboteur, self-saboteuse perhaps. Um, I really, I just, I just couldn't stop. I was just a pile of self-sabotage. And, and you know, I've, I've been doing this work myself for about 15 years. And so I now teach this. I, I teach it on a, on a global scale. And, uh, and I love it. It's my passion in the world. There's nothing that I enjoyed doing more with my day than uh, helping, out my, helping out my clients, answering questions, and, and bringing awareness, you know, to these levels that, you know, previously, you know, while something's outside of your, outside of your awareness, you can't fix it. <laughs> Right, the definition of this of the subconscious is it's it's out of your awareness, which means it's out of your control, and that's very important. That's an important distinction to make. So, um, so you know, my my focus is you know I've always been kind of the the intense type. You know, I, I like to go straight to the right to the core of shit. You know, I want to go I want to go right to, you know, what is what is it that's actually happening. Um, I spoke with a friend a while ago who um, said, <laughs> she, and I, she and I have been friends for, I don't know, probably 15 years. And she goes, she goes, you know what I like about you? <laughs> she goes, you never fight about anything that isn't the actual problem. And I thought, you know, that's actually a really great quality because a lot of 
fights, a lot of fights in relationship and in, um, you know, and in even in friendships and in families and things like that, you know, you, you, you're having a conversation at dinner around, you know, <sighs> training the dog and, and all these energies come up. I can't believe that you do it that way. It's such a stupid thing. You know, it's like all of these, all of this, you know, energy comes out and, and you, you end up fighting and sometimes you're not even at odds. Your opinions aren't even necessarily contradicting of each other. And that's a really a powerful thing. Um, you know, when, when, when that happens, when you find that there's just way more issue than there should be, why can't I find anyone? I've had clients call me from the middle of Denver and say, there's no women here. Okay, well, there definitely are. There's like 3 million of them or something. So it's not that, right? Your, your problem is not logical because if your problem were logical, by definition of it being a problem, you would have, that indicates that you've tried to fix it and been unable to, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't, you wouldn't call it a problem. You'd call it a thing. This thing happened and I fixed it and it's, no, no, it's not a story anymore. So by the time somebody's on the phone with me, it's a problem, you know? And if it's a problem, that means you've, tried to fix it and haven't been able to. Well, why haven't you been able to fix it? Because it's, it's not something that you can fix with your brain. You know? It's deeper than that. So when you have those conversations at the you know, Thanksgiving table, <laughs> not that I'm speaking from experience because I'm definitely not, but so you're, you're, you're in the Thanksgiving table and you're, you're talking about your, um, you know, whatever it is, the conversation comes up and all this energy comes out and all of a sudden you're in this big fight and, and, and the reason why there's more energy than is, that is, that is logical or then that makes sense to that situation is because the emotions aren't about the actual situation, okay? They're about something that happened, you know, 40 years ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. So, and then that gets triggered. We call that a trigger, okay? So, if you, um, you know, if you're at the, the table and something just upsets you wildly or, or your partner, you know, checks out another woman um, or is, is, you know, flirting with her ex-boyfriend or talking to her ex-boyfriend because flirting is more subjective, isn't it? So, um, so, you know, what is it, you know, what is it that's, something triggers it and you get so mad, you get wildly jealous or you get, you know, something like that. Well, the reason is because, some shit happened that scared you early on. And now, you know, that, that just got touched. That just got triggered. So now what, what actually ends up happening literally in the moment is you're no longer present. You're no longer in the moment. You're 15 years ago. It, it's, it's, it's like a literal connection. So you, you know, you're, you're having a conversation with your partner and everything's great. And then she tells you that she needs to, you know, she, she, she's in contact with her or you see her texting with her, with her ex-boyfriend. And all of a sudden, all this story comes up. This has happened to me before. Women cheat and I won't tolerate it. And this behavior is And all of this is coming from shit that's happened in the past. And you can tell because the logical, reasonable response to that might be, 
oh, how's your ex doing? And like, you know, really listening to the answer. And if she dissolves into giggles and blushes, okay, that tells you a little something. But if not, she might just say, oh yeah, he's got this lamp that I, you know, I left there years ago and I was trying to get it back. Something like that, you know? Um, Or, and here's a crazy idea. You could just ask her. You know, infidelity is actually, I'm realizing now, something that we haven't actually covered on this show before. So I think I might go ahead and do an episode entirely of that. Um, but but just, just asking, you know, open your eyes, come back to the present moment. She could be a lying cheater, 100%. She also could not be. So you want to risk your relationship by bringing up relationships in the past? Ironically, that's what the whole example is about by the way, is you being afraid that she's bringing shit in from her past and you're actually bringing shit in from your past. Make sense? So, and we tend to do that also. We'll criticize and, and see and judge in others things that, um, that we see and criticize and judge in ourselves. And, um, and by the way, you know, I didn't, really, I didn't really have a topic for today. I just thought that I would get on and and, you know, answer questions. I, I'm on Facebook Live right now. I'm, I have, uh, you can access, you, you know, you can call in uh, on, the, on, the, on the number. I can give you that number right here. Um, and, you know, you're welcome, to, you're welcome to ask any questions that you have. And I will, I will just answer them live or I'll teach on whatever comes to mind or I'll, maybe I'll talk about me or we'll, we'll, we'll figure some shit out. But if you do want to, Give me a call. I would love that. Uh, the number is 708-793-7769. And again, that's 708-793-7769. Call in with your questions. And if you want to find me uh, otherwise, I'm at dominiedrew.com. Uh, that's D-O-M-I-N-E-Y-D-R-E-W.com. Uh, or on Facebook at Domini Drew Coaching and Instagram at Domini Drew. So feel free to connect with me in any of those places uh, because that is, uh, that is where I can be found. So yeah, so back to this conversation. So you're talking to this, you know, to your, to your partner, they do something that triggers you. Look, it happens. It's not a big deal. Well, that's not true. It's actually a huge deal in the moment. Uh, my school, they used to call them the, in, in, in ER. You're having an ER, which is an emotional reaction, Okay. And here's what's very important about an emotional reaction. What's important about an emotional reaction is that it's not it's, it's not in response to the current situation. So part of it is is real. Yes, she's texting her ex-boyfriend. That is that that's the end of the material facts that we've given about this situation so far, right? All you know is that she's texting. You don't know what it means. You don't know what her intention is. You don't know um what they're saying. You don't know, you know any of this. So it's just this, this sort of very, actually what, what really is a very benign situation. Um, but there's all this uh, hullabaloo around it, right? There's all this drama, okay? So when drama comes in, right? Oh my God, she's definitely cheating. Yep, it's happening to me again. Oh God, see, see? There's so much in that. You know, I say that sometimes like, oh, you know, see, like you're right because that's what we're doing, right? From, from, from early age, we form these incredibly, incredibly powerful assumptions about the world and then we spend our lives proving ourselves right. So if you ever find yourself, here's, here's a little hack that I just came up with in the moment. If you 
are, um, if, if you, you know, if, if you, if you find yourself in that type of situation, right, you're, you're objective, you know, you're, there, there's, there's something going on that's, that's not from right now, then you can, um, you can, you can go to that place. Okay. What, what part of this is, is from now and what part of it is, is from before. That's the name of the game, right? So if you ever find yourself, here's the hack. If you ever find yourself, um, saying, see, you know, to your friends, in your own head, to your partner. Uh, yeah, see, there's there's never any parking. I told you, see, see, you're proving yourself right, which means A, you created that situation. Let's be real. You picked the time to go when there was no parking. I mean, you will prove yourself right no matter what. We're very, very, very powerful beings, like way more than we realize. And I'm going to come back to that, very powerful beings. Um. And, and so, you know, when you, when you have that experience, um, you know, of, oh, see, it's like, it, it, it gives us a little boost of pleasure. Okay. There's a little bit of, oh, feels good. There's, there's pleasure in that. It's called negative pleasure. It's not, mm, it is real pleasure. It's, but it's not like uh, great sex pleasure, right? Like that's like pleasure. And you're like, yes, it feels so good. I could just spend the whole rest of the time making sex noises on the show and I bet it would get more downloads on the podcast than anything else. <laughs> so in lieu of doing that, um, there's that pleasure current, right? Of that like life force. And you're like, yes, mm. there's like a yumminess to it. You know, it's juicy and it's rich and it's, um, it's beautiful, right? It's spectacular. It feels great. Uh, negative pleasure has a little bit of a different quality to it. Negative pleasure also feels good. Um, but it doesn't, it feels good in a different way. It's like, if you've, have you ever like been in a fight with a partner and just launched this really snarky response and like, it feels kind of (laughs) good, right? Like it's not, um, it didn't, it didn't make the world a better place. It probably didn't help you win the fight. You may have vanquished your partner. Congratulations in the moment. But you didn't, it didn't solve the fight, right? Because that's, that's not going to solve it. Being right does not solve the problem, gentlemen. <laughs> and some ladies, uh, really, really. The, uh, being right is a huge form of negative pleasure, okay? I just posted this, uh, this statement online a little post or something online where I was like, would you rather be right or would you rather be happy? Either one's fine. doesn't matter to me. It's not going to affect my life. But I tell you what, the things that people will do to not, uh, to, to be right is extraordinary. Like, like look for this in life. Look for it. It's amazing. They will do anything. And it's survival-based. So they will literally do anything. Um, some, some people will die. They would rather die than, than be proven wrong. And, and that's not as crazy of a thing as it kind of sounds like it is, you know, because it, it's linked to survival. You know, if, you, if I'm not right, then who am I? You know, if, if a lot of your identity is wrapped up in, in being right, you know, rightness was very important in my family. It really was. And, you know, I'm the youngest by several years. And so I tended to be the least right for the most amount of time because I just didn't, I didn't know as much. I wasn't as, I didn't, you know, in, in formative years with children, it's, you know, you learn a lot in a year. So if you're only a year older, that's, that's still a big, <clears throat> it's a big shift. 
mine were, you know, more than, you know, four and four and six years older. So I was, I was always a little bit behind the eight ball, you know, and just, that's just kind of how it was. And that's, that's an okay thing. But I was behind the eight ball in a family that valued rightness. So often I found myself, you know, getting disempowered and really, that's not really a victim place, you know? It's it's only a victim place if I also buy into the need to be right. So if I'm that child, and I am, um, who's, sitting, who's sitting at the table at, you know, whatever, 10 years old, and you know, I keep being wrong. I'm trying to, to, to keep up with the family and be cool. And, you know, because family structures have, um, they have different priorities. Some families are incredibly loving, supportive. You know, the, the Latin um, family structure tends to be just be very just warm and like, you know, and there's also like crazy drama and, and great romance and passion and craziness and, you know, high emotions. And, you know, every, every, every style has their distortion, right? Every gift has its, um, has its counterpart or its, its distortion. You know, we, we, we defend using our strengths. So if you're naturally very loving, then you will, uh, you will distort to, um, to, to, you know, you, you will, you will overly love. So, so for example, I, I'm a very loving person and that's, a, that's a very much a core quality of mine. And, um, you're, you're on there. So, so, so there I was, so I, I was a very loving being. And when I got threatened, I would distort that core quality of being able to love people. And I would default to acceptance. I would make everything okay. That's not love, to be clear. That is not love. That, it's a distortion of love. So I was naturally very loving. And um, when something happened that I didn't like, I would become a doormat. You know, I had no boundaries. I had to learn. <laughs> I had to learn boundaries, learn them. So like, as in I didn't have any, like I had to create them. I had to make them out of magic. I had to make them, pull them from thin fucking air. I had none. I had none. I was so, I, I was experiencing something called enmeshment, which is when you're, you're so close with someone that you, you sort of bond with them. Right. And some, you know, some level of enmeshment is, is, is going to be somewhat inevitable, but but I would do it a lot. And I did it with my relationship with my mother a lot. And so, who's like an incredible woman. Um, but enmeshment's not really good for anybody ever. And so what I would do is, um, like I remember this, this time, like basically I couldn't tell the difference between me and her. So I couldn't tell what I wanted, for example. I, I just couldn't tell. I didn't know what I wanted. Um, and for the, for the people who are joining me on, on Facebook Live, uh, this is really just an open Q&A session. So if you have questions, please throw them at me and I will go ahead and answer them live. And for everyone else, I'll just give you that number again uh, to call in if you have questions. It's 708-793-7769. And again, that is 708-793-7769. Okay. So... Um, okay, so enmeshment. So my my mother and I, basically, I couldn't tell what I wanted. I could only tell what she wanted. So, uh, you know, and she's a, she's a strong personality, right? And and so am I. But I was, I, it was so distorted, right? I just couldn't stand up for myself. Is is basically, I just I couldn't stand up for myself. 
I truly, I, I, I truly believed that if I said no to someone, that it meant that I didn't love them. And that was such an intolerable feeling for me. I, I couldn't, I couldn't bear it. I, I couldn't tolerate it. It was so painful. And, and it, it got really bad, you know, with my, with my, <clears throat> the enmeshment with my mother, I remember, you know, skipping in one day, I'm like a pretty, I'm like a pretty obnoxiously cheerful person pretty much all the time. And, uh, you know, came in skipping, I'm whatever, 12 and, you know, came in skipping from, you know, from outside and she was, you know, she was going through something. I can't even remember what it was, but she was in tears. And I went into the room and I went right to her and within about, <clears throat> Within about 30 seconds, I was crying. I was in tears. So <clears throat> there, was, there was like no boundary. <laughs> you know, you learn boundaries. If you don't have them, then, then you know, that, then they're not there. And that's not, a, it's not a, a final thing. Like you can, you know, <laughs> we can fix this. Don't worry about it. So... <clears throat> And the thing about boundaries, you know, another, another thing that I remember from, from that time period, I was probably older, maybe about 19 or 20. Um, I was at a, I think I was at a, at a workshop. I was at a um, pathwork workshop. And uh, I was walking from wherever I was to wherever I was going. And someone was coming along the path to me. And the, the intention there is to become more conscious, is to notice what you're doing. And so I was doing that. And this person came towards me. And they were just passing by. I didn't know them well. And I looked up at them and I gave this big, bright smile. And then I said, hello, hi, how are you? And then we walked on past. And it occurred to me as I walked past that I hadn't thought beforehand whether or not I wanted to smile at her. That thought had never crossed my mind. I just defaulted to smiling. It didn't even occur to me to go, hmm, Am I feeling happy right now? Do I like this person? Do I want to smile? I don't know. Because I was on fucking autopilot. It was cheerful, very socially acceptable autopilot, but autopilot nonetheless. Right? And that was a, a very dis, you know, disempowering or, or I suppose it was an empowering moment of, of realizing that I wasn't even asking myself permission to smile. I was just defaulting to what I thought that they wanted to see. So, so this is the love mask, right? It's like, oh, well, how can loving be a defense? This is fucking how. Without my, you know, my consent, I was on autopilot. I'm on default. I have to have you love me because my survival is based on it. That's what these defenses are, Right. And that's just the form that my particular one took based on my core qualities and my, you know, childhood wounding and my, my defense structure. So, you know, and then when I was able to clear all that, when I was able to check in and, and learn and, and, and realize that, you know, boundaries are, 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 are okay. Boundaries are okay. And then the next step, which is boundaries are essential. <laughs> They really are. Um, I think a lot of people <clears throat> have, you know, beliefs around around people being in, about being in relationships with people, and um, 
you know, when you're in a relationship with a person, oh, you need to share everything. You need to do everything together. Or you need to love each other all the time. Or the sex always needs to be amazing. It's like, okay, well, so life is still going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, be, be aware of that. Be aware of, of what it means. You know, in my, in my course, here's a little free peek in. Um, in one of the weeks, we do an exercise that is just, you know, go on a piece of paper and write down the words, relationships are and then finish the sentence. Whatever is true for you, whatever is the first thing that comes to you. And it helps to breathe first. Maybe you need to do some of that right now. Um, so as that, you know, as, as you breathe, you come down into your body a little bit more. You, you become a bit more present, right? And you're able to see more clearly because otherwise, you know, we have these stories, these voices running in our head all the time, um, which by the way is also fixable. Mine are gone. After, after about 30 very active years, they are actually gone, which is great. <clears throat> and so, um, and so anyway, so, so, you know, these, these, these things are going on in our head all the time. And if we're able to drop into our body, we get more of a real answer. So that's why I really emphasize that in our work. So <clears throat> hi, everybody on Facebook. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Good to see you guys. So, um, so we do have a question. So, um, and I want to sort of link this into this lack of, uh, you know, this lack of boundaries or, or how exactly that happens. Um, and the question is, <clears throat> is how do you deal with anxiety? And this is a very, um, you know, I get this, I get this question a lot. I, I have a lot of clients whose main, you know, presenting complaint is you're too scared to go, um, to, to approach women right? Approach anxiety is what we call that. And that could come from a number of different things. It could come from a lack of confidence, uh, self-doubt, very negative self-talk. Um, I was just on the phone with someone the other day who, um, who said, yep, I, I want to go out. And then I hear this voice in my head that says, she, won't, she will never go out with you anyway. Or she's probably taken. Or she's, you know, don't even bother. And they psych themselves out and they never approach. And then they wonder 30 years later why they're still single. So anxiety is a big one. It's a big one around women. And the, what, I, what I tend to, you know, Curtis, I'm not quite sure how you meant this. And you're, and you're welcome to, to uh, reply back, back and let me know if I'm getting off track here. But with women, it tends to be around the fear of rejection. So if, if anxiety is something that you struggle with, check in and see if, see if something about that might resonate for you. Anxiety is, uh, is, is fear, right? I wouldn't have thought that would need to be a distinction, but the people that I've met who have struggled with anxiety for 20 plus years, um, when I said, oh, you're, you're anxious. Okay, well, what are you afraid of? And they looked at me and they were like, I nobody's ever asked me that in 13 years of therapy nobody had ever asked so anxiety is like is is a is a low level of fear all the time right it's like having stress in your system it's very hard in your system i, I don't know all the details of a uh, of um of of what exactly it is that that's in your system maybe cortisol is in your system all the time that that's evoked by stress and a low level of and it's it's made to um and we've got some some nurses and doctors i think on the uh, on Facebook Live. So if you'd like to comment and 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 um, uh, correct me, please do. Um, <clears throat> but the purpose of those of those 
chemicals is to um, is to get you off your ass and out of danger, right? Your brain's like, oh my God, something terrible is happening. Quick, go. And so you 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 go. You go fear, fear response. Oh, okay, that means danger. Otherwise, we wouldn't have evolved because we would have gotten eaten by things. So um, oh, that means danger. Great, run away. Okay, or fight or whatever it is that, you know, that's appropriate in the moment. But it's, it's, but then it's supposed to go down. You know, it's supposed to go down. So you, it, you, your system spikes and you go, holy shit, I got to get out of here. And you get out of there and then you calm down and your parasympathetic nervous system kicks in and you can relax. Okay. So if you're experiencing anxiety, that means that's not happening. Okay. There's like a low level of worry all the time. And it's, it's exhausting. That's what I've seen. And I, I used to do this. I, I never really suffered from anxiety, um, but I, I did worry all the time, all the time. <laughs> I would just, I, I don't know. I was worried about everything. I would, I would project myself out in the future. And this is what a lot of these guys who, who have this approach anxiety deal with. They project themselves out into the future. They decide it's not going to work. And they, and they stress about it, right? Or they give up immediately. And so in that, in that particular scenario, is exactly what happened, right? He goes up, he, want, he feels the desire, right? Because there's attraction. And attraction is, is desire, uh, essentially. I never really made that exact connection, so I'm checking to make sure I'm exactly right there. There's more, there's more in it. It, it. it is a literal attraction. It's a pulling towards. It's two magnets coming towards instead of repelling. Okay, so we associate attraction with, you know, sexuality or beauty. Okay, attraction is not beauty. Those are two different things. Um, but attraction is really, it's, it's a visceral pull. You're like, yes, I have, to, I have to go towards that. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I decided to run my business in the area of attraction because it's completely authentic, right? You can't pretend it's there when it's not. And you can't pretend that it's not there when it is right? So it's very honest. So if you're repeatedly attracting the same negative relationship, okay, that's really good evidence. That's really good information. Now we can take this information and we can, you know, move forward with it or not, right? So, um, but okay, I'm always attracted to the bad boys or I'm always attracted to women who are, who cheat or anything like that. Okay, great. What is it that's attracting you to that? You know, but, you, but you've got that solid like data point there. Does that make sense? So with anxiety, you've got that sort of low level of, of stress all the time. And you know what I have found, Curtis, about anxiety is that people who suffer from anxiety tend to spend a lot of time out in the future. I think that's what, that's what initiates the worry. And then people who struggle from depression tend to be focused on the past. Okay. Um, so anxiety is, yeah, it's, it's worrying. It's worrying about stuff that hasn't happened yet. There has to be a disconnect. You have to let go of what might happen. And look, I'm saying that very easily here. And of course, that's, that, that may not be if, easy for you to do if, if you suffer from anxiety, but that is the most direct path, okay? First of all, what are you afraid of? Maybe it's everything. I don't know. Great. You can either let yourself feel that. It's always a good idea because pushing emotions away does not make them go away, right? Um, and... Um, 
and then and then disconnect from the outcome. And, and there's a there's a real vulnerability there. That's what that feels like to me to let go of that. It requires you to trust, which I'm going to guarantee you have trust issues if if you're struggling from anxiety because the whole thing is I'm not sure how this is going to work out, or I'm sure I'm sure I know how it's going to work out and it's not going to be good, right? So. <clears throat> Yeah, so Joey just asks, is this like sacrificing feeling well now to be better for the future? It, it's not quite like that. That would be, say, maybe the undistorted core quality there or the undistorted positive intention there. Um, but what it ends up, it's, it's, that's, that might be what you're telling yourself if you suffer from anxiety. is like, well, I have to worry about this now so that it doesn't happen in the future. So I protect myself in the future so that the future is better. But better than what? you're playing the wrong game. Nothing's happened yet. What if it's pure heaven ahead? But somebody who suffers from anxiety is probably never going to see it that way, right? They're not concerned about it being too good in the future, right? And if they are, it's probably going to be something like, (laughs) well, then I need to get better so I can really fully enjoy that. I mean, it's like something, you know, the, the pattern will recreate itself, right? Um. And Adrian asked if there's a parallel between anxiety and panic attacks. Um, I, I imagine so. <clears throat> I'm, I don't, that, that's a little bit on the edge of my realm of expertise. Um, that's more sort of a, um, something happening chemically in the brain. So if you're not in a panic attack, I can help you work, you work through the fact that you get them. Um, but that's sort of more going into uh, psychiatry there. Um, and that's not my... Um, that's not my, my, my area of expertise, but with, with anxiety in general, you know, with, uh, or, you know, if you experience panic attacks, it's like, okay, so what is the fear? Like, there's a couple of things that you can do in the moment. If you're, if you're experiencing a panic attack, and again, this is not my realm of expertise. This is just what I've found, you know, some things that work. So I'm, I'm just want to be clear on that. I'm not, I'm not pretending to be a psychiatrist because I am not. Um, but what I've, what I've seen is that, you know, it, it's the, the thing about anxiety and about depression, about things that are really extreme like that, is that they feel all-encompassing, okay? There's no way out, and it's everywhere. Like, I'm anxious. Well, you're not. You're a person who is currently feeling anxiety. See the difference? It may seem small. It is not. It is very large. Because in the one sense, you're utterly helpless. And you might be helpless anyway. I'm not saying this is going to magically take you out of your panic attack. But boy, is it going to shift from, oh my God, this is never going to end. This is the world's ending. This is absolutely terrible. I can't handle this. To, oh God, this feeling is so uncomfortable. Well, that's a much more manageable statement, isn't it? Instead of, Everything is going to end and I'm going to die, which is how anxiety has felt to me the times that I've felt it. And, and in that moment, right, you're walking up to this woman that, you, that you're attracted to, that you want to, um, you know, that you want to approach. And yeah, I mean, there was a fear of rejection, really. It's not even so much the unknown. It's like, I mean, it is, it is the unknown. And again, another very natural fear, right? As humans, we are supposed to be, we are made to be afraid of the unknown because if we all go into, you know, dark caves where we can't see the, the back, then, you know, half of us get eaten by saber-toothed tigers that are hanging out in there. So, 
you know, so we were like, well, maybe we'll go ahead and skip this cave and go to one where we can see, you know, what's going on or we can, you know, we know we're safe. So fear of the unknown is extremely logical um, as far as a, you know, a physiological level, right? So yes, you know, the fact of the matter is that that woman you go up to might reject you. Do you know how often I get rejected? Like, <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot. I get rejected a lot. That's that's not an uncommon thing. You know, people sort of think they get on on uh, dating sites and nobody responds, but that would never happen to me or that would never happen to women. It fucking happens. I've got, I got ghosted like three times. You know, it's like, it shit happens. It does. It does. It's not a big deal. Well, it's not a big deal to me because I've done a huge amount of work. The, the fear isn't necessarily the rejection. It's, it, it, it's almost like the fear perpetuates itself, you know, as, as Joey's saying. Yes, it's a fear of real possibility. So, so yes, she might reject you. The, her rejecting you is not really that scary of a thing if you look at it by itself. Remember the conversation at the Thanksgiving table? Okay, we're having a conversation about the dog, but really I'm mad at you for stealing my boyfriend when you were 14 whatever. That didn't actually happen. I just made that up because <laughs> I didn't have boyfriends at 14. Um, anyway, so, so, so you get, so then all, then all of a sudden there's this, all this buildup, right? Now it's not just like, she's going to reject me. It's like, she's going to reject me because I'm a piece of shit and no one's ever going to love me and I'm terrible. And you know, I deserve this. And obviously she's not going to want you. Obviously she's not going to want you. Can you feel the harshness there on your own system? Can you feel how like cruel you're being to yourself in that moment? Can you imagine behaving that way towards someone else? It can be a good, it can be a good litmus test, you know? Well, how do I feel about this anxiety? Of course, I'm, of course, I'm, of course, she's right. She's perfection and I'm terrible. I mean, that's essentially what you're saying in your head when you're afraid of approaching a woman, right? Um, <clears throat> so if you saw someone else, if your friend was there and they were saying, oh, there's no way she's going to love me. I mean, look at me, look at her. God, would you turn to them and be like, yeah, you're probably right. You don't stand a chance. And I don't mean like fucking around. I mean, actually mean it. <laughs> Probably not. We tend to be much kinder to other people than we are to ourselves. It's an interesting phenomenon. So hopefully that answered the question about anxiety. Um, <clears throat> I got another question here. Um, with regards to boundaries and lack of acknowledgement, what are some ways to appropriately acknowledge compliments? Um, Boy, <clears throat> I used to be terrible at this. I was so bad. Um, people would tell me I was great at something and I did not even hear it. I, I brushed it off. Like energetically, if it came towards me, I would almost like, like just let it, I would just go let it pass me rather than having to, rather than having to own my own self-worth. And I think that when it comes to <clears throat> not being able to accept a compliment, that's really is what it's about, your self-worth. And um, I had profound amounts of self-hatred. I mean, a lot of self-hatred. So now I come across very confident and I have a lot of self-love and I can talk about how easy being rejected is 
that's after a lot of work. Please understand that that's after a lot of work, okay? I was not magically born without insecurities. I was a goddamn mess of insecurities for at least 25 years. So, and that's okay. That was my path, right? That was the, that was the, the path I had, to, I had to take to bring me to where I am now. So, <clears throat> so I wasn't able to do that at all. I, um, people would, I don't know, tell me I looked good and stuff. I, I genuinely can't even remember what people told me because I didn't even hear it. So if you were to be like, oh, it was a compliment that people used to give me a lot, I genuinely, and I'm, I'm being totally honest right now, I can't think of one. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's because no one ever complimented me on, on anything. I think I just didn't hear it. Or maybe nobody complimented me, but it's all the same to me now. <clears throat> so, so then one day, uh, and I rode horses, by the way. I rode horses for about 25 years, pretty intensively. And I was, uh, I was quite good at it. Um, <clears throat> I, was about, uh, I was about three levels below the Olympics. Um, and it was something that I, I put, you know, 25 years of my life into. That was like a, it was a, somewhere where I had definitely gained skill. And... <clears throat> Somebody asked me one day uh, if I was good at riding, if I was, a, if I was an accomplished equestrian. And <clears throat> I laughed and sort of, you know, brushed it off. And for whatever reason, in that one time, I stopped and I thought, oh, well, that's not true. That's not true. You're lying. It's an untruth if someone says, you know, <clears throat> oh, you're, you know, you're really good at that and you are really good at that. And you say, no, I'm not. That, that's an untruth. You're dishonoring yourself. Why would you do that? What, what, what good does that create in the world? Do they like you more because you're not good at something? Do you like you more because you're not good at something? Are you afraid of being arrogant? by owning your own gifts. I worked my ass off for 25 years to be that good at horseback riding. And suddenly in that moment, I thought, that's not true. I'm, I'm actually really good at this. I may not be good at anything else in the damn world, but all we're talking about is this one thing. Are you good? And I said, oh, you know, I can hold my own. <laughs> I was jumping like five foot fences. That's a big deal, <laughs> you know? And, but, but it was so painful. It was so uncomfortable for me to stand in my own power and to own my positive qualities. It was so difficult that I just chose not to do it. So what shifted in that moment, and I'm, I'm really just looking at this now, um, I just saw it differently. I just saw it differently. Suddenly it was a different, I felt differently about it. I just sort of realized, it was like a realization, you know, suddenly I realized, yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty, pretty good at that thing. And it didn't, it, it wasn't difficult to be okay with that. Look, you know, when you find yourself in these situations, you're coming up against something, people are giving you compliments, uh, you don't like it. You can also ask people to stop if you want, but it's probably worth, you know, looking at what the issue is because again, that's a trigger, you know? What is it that's so intolerable about having someone think that you're great? What does that, what do you think that that means? 
And then when you're ready, you can look at what it actually means. But first, what do you think it means? You know, um, I just thought I was genuinely not worth anything inside. And so that didn't match my, my life experience. Remember we talked about, um, about proving yourself right. That didn't prove me right. That did not match my beliefs. So I didn't accept it. I genuinely cannot remember any compliments from when I was a kid. I can't, I can't remember one right now. I'm like, I'm actively trying in the moment. They didn't stick. I'm just realizing the significance of what I just said. Those things didn't stick. How fucking cool is that? They they went right by me. I chose my life experience. We choose our life experience. We do it on a psychological level, which is a lot easier to point to on this show. We, but we also do it on a mental level, emotional, spiritual, energetic, physical. I mean, my physical body changed. You know, the whole love mask shit that I was doing, that was, I mean, there was so much. Oh, and this, this ties into the, the uh, compliments as well. I was drawing other people's boundaries for them. Here's what pisses me off about people not accepting my, my compliments. It dishonors me. This is my own personal opinion, okay? This is, this is you know, from me, Dominique. It dishonors me. If I go, wow, you did a really incredible job. Now, I also, I speak from truth, okay? So I'm not gonna say it, I'm not the type that's going to blow sunshine up your ass. I'm just not that type of person. I'm not going to tell you you're particularly good at something if you're not. Um, I'm not going to tell you you suck at it. But, uh, you know, I, I, you know, before I speak, I, I ask myself if it's true, kind, and necessary. You know, I started doing that when I was probably about 14 or 15. Uh, and it created <laughs> quite a difference in my life. So, so I'm, I, I mean it. I'm not going to tell it to you unless I mean it. I'm just, I'm... A rather direct person now. <laughs> Didn't used to be. That's new. Anyway, so, so, so in that moment, you know, if I go, "Wow, you're you're really good at that," and they go, "No, I'm not." Oh, <laughs> literally in my head, I just went, "Well, then, what, what the fuck am I doing here?" Like it's it's for some reason it dismiss. It feels to me like it dismisses me as someone who just gave you that compliment. Like I'm wrong, or I'm. <laughs> not quite wrong. I I just feel, I feel unseen personally, as I'm like walking through that scenario right now with you guys, I feel unseen, you know, it's, it's dishonoring of both myself and, and of you, the person trying to ask me if I'm good at horseback riding to tell you that I'm, I'm not, if I am, it's untrue. Um, it's unnecessary. And it's unkind. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so, you know, with, with, the, with the, <clears throat> the compliments, it comes down to a self-worth thing. And, it, it's, you know, it's some, one day you're going to be ready to tolerate it. And other days it's not, you're not. And that's okay. And these, you know, old habits and they die hard. And that's, that's all right. You know, take your, take your time, a step at a time. But, but know that, you know, consider the possibility. What if someone out there thought you were great? They're the ones thinking it. So it's not like if you're like, but I know I'm not. That's okay. Can they think it? Would that be okay with you? Right? So there's this, there's this way of honoring reality that I think comes in here a lot as well. With the anxiety too, what's really likely to happen? What could that woman that you find attractive actually do to you that would be worthy of this much fear? 
what could she do? Pull a gun? Come after you with a knife for telling her that she's pretty? What is actually, what are you actually basing this on? You know? That's actually one of the ways that I, I, I work with my own anxiety, and this might work for you or it might not, but I remember I would put myself in the worst case scenario. Be like, okay, I'm really nervous about, let's see, uh, uh, you know, getting a new apartment, something like that, okay? And I wasn't normally because I, I moved like a huge amount and I would kind of just randomly show up in some country and, and get, <laughs> get a place there and live there for a while. Um, but, but let's say I'm, I'm really nervous about getting my, to get, to get into a new apartment. So then I go, okay, I'm really scared. What's the worst case scenario, right? Like as a, as a, um, as a tactic, you know, what's the worst as, as a way of understanding the fear? Fine. I'm afraid there might be something worth being afraid of. Let's at least look at it. Great. I'm not, I don't go in being like, get rid of this fear. Okay. The fear is here. I'm honoring reality. That's what we're coming back to. That's what this is about. Honoring reality. Okay. What is real? And what am I making up in my head? I mean, it's like finding your own delusions. <laughs> but a fucking, where, where's Waldo book? Where are my delusions? So, you know, and, and it can be, it can be kind of a mess and kind of a, a I feel it's like a, like a knot of ivy that's all like put together and you're having to work through it. I get it. You know, that's why I created what I created. That's what my course does. It takes you through it, you know, step by step. And I've got, I got clients who, who watch on Facebook Live and clients who come on, on Facebook Lives with me and, and podcasts. And, and I, I post their successes on my Facebook page because this is a way through. It's a methodical, proven process that takes you from point A to point Z. Because on your own, look, I, I'm 15 years down the road you know, and I've been okay for, you know, a few, but I wouldn't say it happened, you know, in months, like I, I create a huge amount of change. And what I've been able to do is accelerate that process. So how much, you know, how much would you rather work on this directly for, you know, eight weeks for two or three months and, and find all of these ways that without even meaning to, you totally hold yourself back. You know, you totally, delude yourself. I mean, it's not a very flattering word. I'm sorry to use that word, but, but that is basically what's happening. You're, you're, draw, you're, you're deciding she doesn't like you without giving her the chance. What if she was your dream girl? What if you're her dream guy? And you're taking that opportunity from her. What if you're what she's always wanted, even though she's hotter than you ever thought than you could get? You self-sabotaging yourself. You having a lack of self-worth, you not taking compliments does not make the world a better place. Do not think that it, it does. It serves no one. She's not happy that you turned around and left. You know, at some point I started going up to people and telling them um, how attractive I found them. You know, do you know why I did that? Because someone one time when I was 24, I was thinking of living in San Francisco, and someone told me I was pretty. That didn't happen much. <laughs> okay. That did not happen much. And I still remember it. I still remember it. People don't, if, if you go up and compliment someone without really an agenda of it going anywhere, nobody does not like that. 
if they've got issues around it, that's their own damn problem. But that's not about you. And most people don't. (laughs) They're just as insecure as you are. So... And, and, and to, not, to not give them that opportunity not only dishonors you, wildly dishonors her, because now you've made her into this woman who's like, oh, God, no. That is a very cruel response, by the way. Any woman ever responds, if you ever go up to a woman in a totally appropriate way, don't like stick your hand up her skirt, but like you go up to a woman, and you say, listen, you know, you have this beautiful dress or, you know, I love your hair, something that's just purely love-based, and they respond with, ugh, and walk away. Honey, you just dodged a fucking bullet. You are welcome. That is the best thing you could have done because that is a cruel, cruel response to someone who's openly engaging you and openly, you know, complimenting you. So that's just bitchy. Like, there's that, that, please do me a favor and do not make that about you, okay? I will tell you when it's about you. If you are pretending that she doesn't want you without asking, that's you, okay? If she's a bitch when you go up to her, well, then she's just a bitch. Then that's not who you want. Is that who you want to date? Someone who treats men that way? That's not good, okay? That's not any better than men mistreating women. It's exactly as bad, okay? So, and then the other thing, and, and it comes back to the compliment thing as well, is that you're drawing her boundary for her. She gets to decide whether she wants you or not. That is up to her. Now, that also can be a little scary, right? Because there's vulnerability. What if she doesn't want me? Yeah, she might not. Yep, got a 50-50 shot. How badly do you want a life partner? How ready are you to settle down and get married and have children and have the life that you've been planning? Did you want to wait longer? Is it worth a 50-50 shot? Which, by the way, is extraordinary odds. That's, that's, I'd bet on just about anything with that, <laughs> right? So, you know, she, she might or she might not. Don't press it if she doesn't. It's okay. She wasn't the one. All right, let's try something else. But do you see how, how when you take away the fear, the terror, the, the anxiety, the worry, then it's a whole different game. It's a whole different game. And it is, it is neither... <laughs> this brings me to another story. When I was, when I was young, I, I broke up with a, with a boyfriend and he was heartbroken. Like it was really, really, really hard for him. This was very much in my love mask days. And I remember, and it was, it was not right. I didn't wish, you know, I think that we should be together or anything like that. But I was having a very, very, very difficult time causing another human that much pain. That was extremely difficult for me. So I remember I was on the phone with my mother and she's also done a lot of this work and she was quite a bit ahead of me at that time. And I was like, mom, this is what it feels like. Like on a soul level, it feels like taking a piece of freshly split wood putting your bare hand on it and just running it along the, the, you know, along the grain, you know, where all the splinters like come into your hand. And I remember, and that's exactly how it felt. I was like on my, on, in my soul, this is how it felt. <laughs> I may have been a tad dramatic, but it was, it was very, very, very painful. 
And I was like, I just want to fix it. Maybe I should get back together with him. I, I couldn't tolerate, I mean, I just couldn't tolerate hurting someone like that. And she says to me, I'll never forget it. She says, Dominique, it is neither your job nor your right to keep him from feeling his feelings. Because I was trying to save him, right? Oh, his feelings are bad and I'm the cause of them and so I'm bad. None of that is relevant. You don't know his journey. Maybe this is the kick that he has, the kick in the ass that he needs to go and save the world. I don't know. It's neither my job nor my right to protect him, quote unquote, or to keep him from painful emotions. Pain is a part of life. We go through it. The point is to go through, come out the other side. So, so don't, don't draw boundaries for others. Don't decide that you know what they want and then do that. You know, it's okay to let yourself shine. It can be vulnerable. You might get hurt. What difference does it make? You're hurting now. You're hurting now. Why not take a risk at something better? If you still hurt, great. Nothing's changed. 50-50. And those are pretty good odds. So if this has piqued your interest, if you want to work on this, if you're ready to fix this, then I really encourage you to visit my website, okay? DominiDrew.com. If you want to go straight to where I'm going to send you when you send me that, it's DominiDrew.com forward slash hello, just H-E-L-L-O. And that's going to take you to a short video of me talking about who I am and what I do and how I work. And then it gives you the opportunity to book an appointment with me. So all of this, you know, these, these patterns, these stories, everything that you've been struggling with for so long, there's a way out. So when you're ready, give me a call. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. It's a great show. I appreciate you letting me meander. <laughs> I will be with you again next week. Thank you for downloading. All of these uh, shows are available on podcast. We're on Google Play. We're on iTunes. We're on Sprecher. We're on Spotify. So, um, so please feel free to download the episodes. You can find past episodes on YouTube. And, um, and, you know, if they help, then by all means. So thank you again for joining me. And I will speak with you soon. Take care, guys. Thank you for joining me for this episode of The Art of Attraction. This is Domini Drew signing off and reminding you that if you love this podcast, please hit that subscribe button, rate us five stars, and most importantly, share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. See you next time.